0: welcome to this edition of coffee time i am your host byron alongside me is former mlb player now turned realtor as most of my former players are i gotta ask you let's start off there what is it with the trend of mlb players wanting to be realtors what is there more money involved in that than you ever played i'm I'm just curious i you're not the only one i've had tons of others that turn into realtors so is that is that a lot more money a lot more money than what playing baseball is?
1: I'm not I'm not really positive. I've never really thought about it. Um, it's definitely not more money than playing baseball is. I'll tell you that. But uh, you could get to that level. You just have to kind of grow yourself into that on the real estate side. But for me, I was always interested in real estate investing. Mm-hmm. So um, originally, I wanted to do that, and my wife. Didn't feel comfortable when we were transitioning out of baseball to do that right away. So Mm -hmm. I got my license to just kind of learn more about real estate, uh, decided to become a full-time realtor just to help people um, buy and sell houses, and it kind of evolved from there. So that's my path, but I can't really tell you why others do. Maybe because you don't need to go and have a full degree, Mm because a lot of us don't have a completed degree at college Mm. so um maybe that's it
0: so you were a switch hitter and you threw right now tell us what's the philosophy of a switch hitter how helped if how much more difficult is that or is that easier than being just one-sided because i'm a lefty both ways so i throw and i hit left how much difference is it or is there no difference at all
1: yeah so interestingly enough I began switch hitting pro ball so I don't know if you knew that about my story but I began um, after my rookie season so I went to short season when I got drafted by the Nationals Mm -hmm. and then I get into the Instructs League that next year and they approach me and they're like hey we see you've got speed we would love for you to try to switch it and hit from the left side now so before that pretty much my whole life when I was real little little I did mess around on the left side quite a bit but then like by the age of eight I was pretty much a right-handed hitter so Mm -hmm. when they approached me at that time I was a 32nd rounder I was like yeah I'll try whatever you want me to try (laughs) I didn't really have any pull otherwise so I was open to trying to be coached and um so they taught me how to switch hit from the ground up, and I'm very thankful for that. But it is definitely much harder, in my opinion, to do than just hitting on one side. Because if you mess up, like let's say you get in a slump, mm. it, it, if you get in a slump on both sides, you're really in trouble as a switch hitter. Right. But um, And I've been through that. And, and then at least sometimes it's good because if you get in a slump on one side but not the other side, you just are really excited for hitting on the good side, obviously, but uh, it can be really challenging because you really have to work twice as hard on two different sides of your body, and it can be really challenging to do that. You know.
0: Now that you mentioned about a slump, we, like you said, we all go through slumps as a hitter. Even when I was playing, although, I, although it was, granted it was Little League, that's how far I could ever get into, I went in through a lot of slumps. Now, my mindset going into slumps when I was hitting, I wasn't good either way, so I just took it as is, you know, I sucked, so I just took it as is, if I got out of it, I got out, if I didn't, I didn't, so what? When you're in a slump, like you just said yourself, when you're in a slump, I'm sure you've been through it as well, what's your mindset and how do you get out of being, in, out of being into a slump?
1: Man, I wish I had the answer for that because I would have been a lot better hitter in my career. Uh, but what I did was I would go back to the basics. I would try to get to the foundation of like what really worked with my swing. Mm -hmm. And so what I would do is I'd go to the cage and just start fresh. Literally the stuff I learned when I was in little league and beginning of middle school and high school. And I would just go back to the basics and do simple, simple drills. Sometimes that would help. And then other times I couldn't kick it, and for whatever reason, I was creating a bad habit on the field. Um, I would just have to kind of work out of that, and, and then a lot of that is gaining confidence. As soon as you feel success again, you're able to like roll on that success, and so it's really challenging. Slump's a mental thing, and it, but it can be a little bit physical, too, so it can be really challenging. So I don't have all the answers, but <laughs> I wish I did.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. Like you said, all you can do is like just go back and work at it, or have, or if you're as, or if you, were, were me had my mindset, just eh, it is what it is, a mind slump. Because I knew I wasn't going anywhere. I was horrible anyway, so I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just mind the slump. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> so that's funny. <fine. laughs> so, in before you got drafted by the Nationals, you played collegiate ball with Mercer. Un- Mercer University and you played uh, also you played Cod League as well now did, did you know you were going to go in a draft were you scouted how did that whole process work out for you and that you knew you were going to get drafted
1: yeah so I was drafted actually at a high school by a scout here locally. I'm from East Cobb, which is just north of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And East Cobb's a big baseball hub, a lot of travel ball tournaments here. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough to be seen by a local scout here named Roy Clark. And um, I played baseball with his son growing up. I played football and he would come watch my games. Uh, mm. Excuse me one second. Yeah, no, you <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so Roy Clark... Drafted me out of high school, and I definitely did not know that I was going to get drafted out of high school, mm-hmm. so it kind of surprised me. And um, when I got drafted out of high school, it didn't work out finances wise, they didn't give me a great offer. And they told me, They're like, Hey, you know, you should go to college for three years, and then we'll draft you again. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was the Braves where Roy Clark was, but in three years, um, I had just like one other scout reach out to me. Ironically, it was the Oakland A's scout, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, would you sign for like five or ten thousand dollars as a junior out of college?" And I was like, "Oh man, I, I don't know. Like, I I didn't have a lot of money, so like, I didn't know how I would make ends meet if I took that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so." lo and behold Roy Clark was was with the Nationals at that time and he puts my name in the draft room in the Nationals like draft day and they drafted me in the 32nd round and of course I know Roy Clark had a big part of that and if not the whole part of that so he, he really was kind of always vouching for me just because he saw me growing up so I was very lucky to have just one guy who believed in me and give me, uh, you know, a shot to get to the big leagues.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, looking at your stats, your uh, minor league career with the Nationals that you had, Player of the Year in 2013. Take us through that year. I mean, that that's one hell of a year for you. Take us through that year and what it meant to you to actually have a that award, Player of the Year, for, at least for minor league. At least I know that's got that's still. I know it's not the major league Player of the Year, but hey, it's something. That's still a big-time award for for minor league players.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, So, again, that was my... So I started switch hitting. My first full-season switch hitting was 2012. Right. And did pretty well, but um, had a bit of a hiccup where... There's two aspects of my game that really mattered to me. and It was hitting, getting on base, really. Getting on base, hitting. Right. And then stealing bases because that was kind of my forte growing up and uh, also in the minors and kind of what got me to the minor league. So um, that 2012 season, I was on base at the time. I did get injured a little bit um, that year, got hit by a pitch in the knee, and it kind of hindered me from stealing as much. Mm. So I stole a good amount at the beginning of the season and then kind of fell off at the end of the season. So I I didn't really put it all together that first year. But I was getting on base, I was I was surviving and battling, um, even though I was learning switch hitting, I would just foul pitches off until they walked me pretty much. Um, and then the next year, it it kind of all came together. So I was hitting well, but then also I was stealing bases and didn't get injured really that year besides minor things here and there. And so I was able to put together a really solid full season of stealing bases at a high cliff and also hitting and getting on base well. So. That was a really fun year for me. It was my most complete year as far as who I am as a player. And I'm um, very thankful I had the coaching staff around that I did that year just to kind of mold me, get me through slumps, because I even hit a slump that year, but it doesn't look like it from the stats. So, um, you know, I had some good staff around me helping me and encouraging me.
0: So in on December 11th, 2013 you get traded to Oakland for Jerry Blevins, uh, a damn good pitcher as well, a damn good pitcher. Um, did you did you know you were going to get traded by the way? How did that process work and what was your mindset as, as getting traded? Did you take it as you wanted to stay with the organization or did you know, oh hey, this is a business, this is going to happen eventually? Uh, tell us through that whole experience.
1: So I was pretty, I was pretty stunned when I found out. I had no idea. And there was nobody telling me there was a rumor of that or anything. Mm. And remember, I'm coming off minor league player of the year with yeah. the Nationals. So yeah. I was very, very entrenched with the Nationals. I thought like I had a good thing going, even though there was really nowhere to go to get to the big leagues, unless like a bunch of people got injured. Right. It was still an organization that was making me the best player I thought I could be. So was very, very um, comfortable with the Nationals, the family, the, the coaching staff, all that. So so I was in the gym. I used to play racquetball every offseason. Mm-hmm. And I was in the gym playing racquetball with my old high school coach. And I come out, and my buddy's calling me. And he calls me like twice, so I, I just pick it up in between my racquetball games. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, you just got traded. <laughs> I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, I'm playing racquetball. What do you mean? So um, so I look at my phone and I've got like 10 text messages. My agents called me. My mm-hmm. I, I missed calls from my agent. So <laughs> instantly I'm just getting blown up. And I'm like, holy cow, like I really did get traded. Like I was shocked. And I was kind of hurt. I was like, man, like the Nationals didn't want me
0: mm-hmm.
1: to continue. So I was kind of hurt at first. Then you know I talked to my agent and he calmed me down a little bit. He's like, "Hey, this is a good opportunity. Oakland is a great place for you." So I got traded to Oakland, and they're a great place for you. They they really love what you do, getting on base and that kind of thing. So once I kind of came to grips with it, I was like, "Okay, you know, I see that there's a plan for me. God kind of had a plan for me to go to Oakland and have an opportunity."
0: Yeah, you you did. I know it wasn't player year, but you did good. You hit uh that time you were up there in the minors with them, you had two fifty uh average, you stole fifty one stolen bases, uh, with mid midland Rockhounds, I guess that's their double A team. Yes. So uh tell us about that experience before you got ultimately got the call up the the following uh in two years um, on May 24th of 2015 with the with the team. So tell us through that whole experience with the Oakland A's minor league system.
1: Yeah, so came into the big league camp for the first time with Oakland, which was a great experience for me. I'm, I'm around some veterans in the game. I'm learning from Chili Davis, was the hitting coach at the time, so I got to learn from him, and he was a great switch hitting coach. So again, you know, had great coaching staff around me. <clears throat> went to double A that year with that, um, with the Oakland A's organization in Midland, did well stealing bases for quite a while, and then, um, wasn't hitting as well as I would have liked to, but Mm -hmm. kept my numbers up for the base stealing, and then actually, um, the end of 2014, I got called up, uh, and, like, almost... Almost into, like, it was July 28th, I think. Mm-hmm. It was almost into August. I got called up for three days because there was an injury at the big league level. Got called up to the big league straight from AA. And then three days later, they made a huge trade for, like, Cespedes and some other big... Yep. It was, like, a blockbuster trade because mm-hmm. they were on a playoff hunt. Yep. And they sent me back down to AAA for the last month of the year in August. And then I got called back up for September call-up to try to steal bases and help help the club kinda of advanced so.
0: Did, I don't remember though, ultimately did you guys make make the playoffs that
1: year? So we made the wild card game and we lost to the Kansas City Royals in like thirteen innings and then they went on to make it to the World Series and and they lost uh, in the World Series that year.
0: How weird that that team eventually being your team after you guys played each other in the playoffs.
1: Very weird, yes. Very weird. <laughs> it's just kind of ironic, you know, how that all works out. And Same thing with the only scout that called me before the Nationals drafted me were the A's scout, and they ended up trading for me a couple mm-hmm. years later. So it's just kind of funny.
0: <laughs> exactly. I, I couldn't have said anything better. But tell us about that. that like you said, that was your first initial uh, call-up. Like you said, you had that before that Cespedes straight, That was your original call up. Did you ever get to? Did you ever get to take the field, or were you just like primarily on the bench? Your first call up.
1: Yes, I took the field literally that night, I believe. So, I don't. I'm sure you've heard stories about this, but we we drove all the way through the night in the Texas leagues the mm-hmm. day I got called up. So we were driving from like another Texas team. Um, I think we are going to Frisco, Texas, which is near Dallas Mm -hmm. and drive all night. You're exhausted. You get to the hotel room. You just want to take a nap so that you can gear up for like going to the field. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm like laying down in my hotel room and I get a call from the travel secretary in the big leagues and he's like, Hey, we, you know, we got your flight ready. We got this going. Um, you know, when can you be at the airport? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, nobody told you you got called up? And I'm like, no. So (laughs) I'm so confused. I have no idea. I thought he was like playing a prank on me at that point probably. So I I get a call from my manager just seconds later. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, pack all your stuff and come to the locker room Mm -hmm. and talk to me in my office. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So. I packed all my bags up, I, I brought to the field, came into his office and he was like, Hey, you're going to the big leagues, man, really proud of you and was just so excited. I, I was like, I can't believe that I'm actually getting to go to the big leagues. So you play your whole life to get to get there. Right, yep. yep. And when it happens it almost doesn't feel real. You're like walking in a dream, you know, so I was very excited to get that opportunity, so I get to the big leagues that night, hopped on a plane, got to the big leagues, got there like in the second inning, so it was, they were already playing in Houston,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I believe they put me in a pinch run in like the eighth or ninth inning, mm-hmm. and first pitch, the batter swung, so I didn't get a chance to steal a base or anything, but um, it was really exciting to get in the game, get... Break the ice a little bit and get the nerves out.
0: Now, your first stolen base—did you get to keep the stolen base in the majors? Your ever first ever stolen base—you get to keep that? You no. should have come on. You should have asked for that. No, I, I didn't. Well, what about your first hit? Do you remember who that was off of? And did you ever get to keep the ball? Did you get to keep the ball? Because I know that happens every time somebody gets called up. Once they hit, they get the ball. Did you get your? You still have that ball?
1: um I think I do have that ball um again it was such a whirlwind that that like first time call up everything's going so fast I think they did give me the ball so I'd have to find it Mm -hmm. somewhere um but it was off of James Paxton we're in Seattle Mm I had already had a few at bats because they did let me start that first call up in Houston they let me start in center field it did not go well it was over four and I think I made an error in the outfield and just was very nervous so um, when I was a September call-up, I was around the game a lot more, around the big leagues a lot more. So I was a lot more comfortable, and I got a chance to pinch hit for somebody for whatever reason. Somebody got injured in the game. We were already winning quite a bit by that uh, point of the game, so they put me into hit. And James Paxton, pretty solid pitcher, lefty. So they let me, you know, get in there and bat righty, which is my natural side. Mm -hmm. And I just poked a line drive up the middle, kind of battled that at bat, poked it up the middle, and then ended up stealing second base. So that was like my first hit, first stolen base. So it was a pretty memorable experience just to have that. And then I'll never forget sliding into second on the stolen base, and Robinson Cano picked up my helmet that had fallen (laughs) off my head, and he handed it to me, and he was like, congratulations, man, that's awesome. Because he knew I was a rookie, so... He was uh he was very congratulative of my success there with stealing that base.
0: God bless him, good guy. But unfortunately, whatever he did, he I don't think he's going to be playing in the majors no more. God bless him. Uh, yeah, he seems like he's a good guy, and I bet you he I, I bet you he was, especially what like what you said, what he did to you. So knowing that yeah. you're a rookie, so yeah, the fallen year, go figure against. One of my favorite teams because I'm from this area, the Tampa Bay Rays. You okay. hit your very first home run, lead off. Take us through that whole experience. Did you get, did you ever get to retrieve that ball, or what the fan have that ball? Uh, wh- what was that whole experience like? Because that had to be something hitting your first home run, big league home run, and nonetheless, lead off. Lead off is hard to hit a home run. I don't care what anybody says, that's the toughest thing to do is hit a leadoff home run. So take us through that whole experience, and what was what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, so, um, Byron, I know you didn't, like, you know, have a lot of time to look at, like, my whole history or study it or anything, but um, I had never hit a lefty homer in my entire life. So I got in there, and I'm feeling pretty good at the plate at this point in the year. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, they kind of trained me, you know, for the first 90% of my career, I was always the guy that would take first pitch and then work a walk, kind of try to battle a little bit, work a walk, poke singles here and there. Yeah. And then when I got to the A's that second year when I, when I got the rookie, um, you know, chance to play as a rookie, the hitting coach was like, all right, you're not taking first pitch anymore. If you see it and it's a good pitch, you stroke it. So he kind of flipped my mindset. And so I was so like dead red, like when that ball was anywhere close to the strike zone and it was the first pitch and it was a heater, I was swinging as hard as I could. So (laughs) um, I finally connected on one and it just felt so pure perfect barrel, right to the ball, and I knew I clicked it pretty well. Well, the funny thing is, the right fielder for the Rays at the time was Steven Souza Jr. Mm-hmm. Steven Souza Jr. and I played together when I started switch hitting with the Nationals. Wow, no way. So he watched how bad I was <laughs> <laughs> initially. <laughs> I mean, I was using like a little toothpick bat in, in my first year in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. He and I were playing together. And he was just like this raw power, huge kind of guy, hit homers. I would just set the table for him. He would hit me in and hit homers all the time. So he knew I didn't have any power, and he never knew that I could pull the ball, and he never knew I swung at first pitch Mm -hmm. because he only watched me be the guy that set the table. Well, I clicked the ball to right center but more towards right field, like kind of where he was playing. And I look up, and he's playing, like, almost behind the second baseman. He did not give me any respect, and he's playing super shallow. So I hit the ball, like, as pretty much as hard as I could ever hit it left-handed. And I see him in the back of his jersey just running to the fence. So I'm thinking triple out of the box. I, I did not think it was going to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tampa has the dome, so I think that helped me a little okay. bit. Maybe the air conditioning, sure, yeah. Air conditioning kind of helped me. You know, I don't know. And that ball cleared, and I was already about to round second um, when I looked over at my third base coach, and he was like, you know, telling me, home run, home run. So I slowed down a little bit. My helmet already flew off because I was hustling for a triple. Right. And I look over at the fence, and I see Steven Souza just kind of looking at the fence like this, (laughs) like, what just happened you know so that was really the most gratifying part of hitting that homer was doing it against steve and Susie. he's a good buddy of mine so um did he, i love it did, getting-
0: did he ever come up to you and be like oh yeah i i i should have scouted you more or predicted or predicted better that that could happen <laughs>
1: oh he gave me so much grief for that he was like what was that like all my years of playing with you and I never saw anything like that and um no but we're we're really close buddies so he was just giving me congratulations and and he was also pretty shocked that that happened especially on him and then yeah so pretty fun experience for me and then of course my dugout was just like that's awesome so first lefty homer first um, time was in the big league so that's a pretty cool experience.
0: Now you since it, like you said obviously that was inside of a dome and it's there I've been there it's a crappy stadium I hope the plans is that they remodel it but I don't know what's going to go on. Uh when you were there playing, what was your experience like playing? I know it was a like, well I know it was like just. A couple games because obviously you guys play a series, but uh, what was it like playing in the trop? Like, because I know a lot of fans and a lot of players I've heard come out and say it's crappy. They don't like it. They don't like to play in it. What 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 was your experience like playing in the trop? Besides hitting that home run off Souza?
1: Yeah, I mean it wasn't my favorite place because as a center fielder, uh, the the hardest thing to do there is read. The fly balls when it hits that white roof mm-hmm. when it gets when your eye line gets above where that white roof is mm-hmm. the ball will blend in with the ceiling so it's very very hard to judge and i actually i've lost a ball um tagging up from third base i've lost a ball kind of in the lights and in the ceiling and i couldn't tell when it was coming down and i misjudged my timing on you know tagging up to go home mm-hmm. so it can be really tricky so that's I don't love that just because it makes me a little uncomfortable looking into the the ceiling. And then I'm never really a huge fan of turf. It's just hard on the legs and hard on my calves, you know, for a three-day series. So I commend guys that have long careers that are playing on turf because it takes somebody who's keeping up with their body pretty well.
0: Now, after the A's, you go to the Royals, as we talked about, go figure. <laughs> uh did you ever take the field for them because i don't i don't um i know i gotta do better on the research but i tried looking it up and i don't know if you had did you did you ever get to take the field for them because i'm not seeing any stats for the royals what was what was that experience like for them because i I know i do see that you unfortunately did get designated for assignment by them um yeah but tell us Um. about that experience with the royals
1: yeah, so I got traded in the, in the back half of 2016. I was in a slump in, in the A's at that time, and they traded for me. And then they pretty much had their starting lineup set. Mm-hmm. But they called me back, actually, to keep control of me. They could save one of my options by sending me over there and then calling me up to the big leagues. So they sent me there, and they kept me in the big leagues the last two months of the year. I got into pinch run. I, I got like one or two starts here and there, but nothing um, notable with them. And then the following year, I got called up a few times, but again, I didn't get really any regular playing time with them.
0: Do you feel like you should have had more playing time with them, or do you feel like they gave up on you, like like the Nationals did? Do you do you did you feel that way?
1: No, I didn't really earn it there, so. Um, I, it would have been one thing if I was hitting really well in the minor leagues with them because I was up and down in AAA, mm-hmm. but at that point, my legs had really started hurting me, my knees, and I didn't have that same explosiveness that I kind of came up with, and so I can't really blame them for not uh, putting me out there as a regular.
0: Now that you've you brought that up, that led me to my next question. Ultimately, when you decided to retire from the game, did you know right then and there that it was definitely my time to go or did you still want to give it a go and try playing?
1: Yeah, I definitely wanted to give it a go and try playing. I had my body felt really strong, but I had like a hamstring issue and then uh, my knee, my left knee started to hurt. And as a speed guy who only relied on my legs for everything, uh, that was really problematic, obviously. So once I started declining and my speed just kind of ticked down a few percent each year and I knew it um, at that point, I, I knew it was time to hang it up, at least give it a rest. But at the same time, I was definitely trying to rehab to get back. So if I could have gotten healthy and figured out a way to just kind of fix the pain that I was dealing with, I certainly would have given it another try. Now
0: um, we got we got ten minutes here. I I gotta ask you. I'm sure you still follow the game, so I'll give you a current some current topics in the game. I gotta ask you. You since you stole bases, um, and you were fast enough to steal on one like on like me and the Lilies. I, I could not steal the word crap. <laughs> but, um, do you like where the game is going nowadays? Because I see some teams trying to bring back the stolen base and what it was back in the, like, the 80s and 70s and 80s, early 90s. Do you like where the game is going in that regard, or do you think it's too analytic-driven now?
1: That's a tricky question. Um... I think that first of all, analytics I think are very smart for teams to use because it's it's hard to deny the numbers, especially when you see a strong correlation between something a player does really well and producing runs or producing helping win the game. Um, so I think it's really intelligent for these teams to use that because it's just playing percentages, it's like just same thing that Vegas does. They they play a percentage, knowing. A bunch of people are going to come there and gamble, right. and they typically win. You can see the monstrosities they built, uh, all the hotels out there in Vegas. Um, so it's kind of the same thing for me. So I think it's very smart for teams to do it. Do I think it's good for the game? I think that it can be good and bad. I think that you lose a little bit of the human element, especially on the scouting end, when you ignore characteristics that are uh, person might have versus their stats like when they're in high school because it's unfair for a guy to judge a guy that's in high school um, based on their stats but if they have strong characteristics and attributes and mental toughness and they're a good teammate and they've got a competitive edge and they're a championship mentality like those things are really important too so maybe they've got a lot of talent and are projectable but they don't have great stats, I, I feel like the analytics can be a negative thing for that player because he might miss out on an opportunity where 20 years ago they might take a shot at him just because of his characteristics, his mental characteristics. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I bet, now that you mentioned that, I got asked that about you personally as a player because I know that's when analytics, when you were still playing, was just coming into the game do you think that kind of also affected you as a player a little bit
1: a little bit because now they could see my speed was declining probably they never told me that specifically but i knew how my legs felt and i knew my numbers weren't as good so they probably saw the writing on the wall with me and you know my body earlier than they wanted to admit so I couldn't get away with, you know, people thought I was running fast, but like I knew I wasn't getting to that top, top tier speed I had. Right. So um, analytics probably revealed that pretty easily. Plus they probably didn't love my analytics for my swing because <laughs> I was one of the softest contact hitters. I saw know, that in the big, yep, yep. In the okay,
0: league.
1: you yep. did see that. So I was yep. one of the softest by far, but you know, I got on, I yeah. would use my legs, I would, Chop a ball on the ground, but beat it out. You know, I would do whatever I had to do. You were definition on base.
0: of you were a true definition of an old school. That's what I grew up on. That's what I grew up watching. I, I'm 31 in the early 90s. That's what I grew up on before the whole steroid era. I grew up on that whole just get on base, whack the ball, no matter how hard you hit it. Just bam, get on base and st- steal. That's what I grew up on, and that's what I. That's that's true baseball right there. Not. Not all this casual fan where it's just home run, yeah. strike out, sing. It's like it's, it's boring. It it's, yeah, it's boring. Exactly. As a man. It, and I'm sure it was boring. It, I'm sure it's boring for you too. I'm sure you still watch it. I'm sure it's boring for you to
1: watch. I mean, yeah. So I definitely agree with you. Like, it takes a little bit of the excitement out, especially the stolen base being so few and far between these days it's probably one of the more fun things in baseball to watch a guy steal base and home runs are awesome. But right. when your whole team is just a home run hitter, it's like, man, like there could be a couple of games where not much is happening because it's just home runs or nothing. So I totally agree with you. It takes a little more of the excitement away. It takes away from guys like me who are smaller, but maybe fast, who might not get an opportunity these days um, because they're not like an some of these pitchers are hard to steal on these days. These pitchers have yeah. gotten really good at holding people right. on. So yeah. th- there's a lot to that. I mean, the whole analytics conversation is certainly one that would be debated for a long time You know, with the marketable ability of baseball to the fans. I mean, what's going to be best for the fans? That should probably be the most important concern for whether analytics are, are good for the game.
0: Now let's talk about your uh, two teams that you played for. Uh, well, the two main ones that you have uh, a couple of teas with Oakland and Kansas City. Oakland is fighting with the city for a new stadium. Not going to get into that, but they got they're they're one of the lowest, lowest payrolls, along with the Rays and all that. And so is the Royals. They're the same way as well, even though they're fighting for a new stadium as well. Um, what do they need to do? to get to the level of what they were not even 10 years ago making the playoffs because they haven't been relevant really since they've made the playoffs consecutively all them years and you, the same uh, same with the royals who won the world series and then just dipped down what do those two teams need to do from what you've seen what do they need to do to get back to that level Oh, man. That, that's a good question, too.
1: Um, for the A's, I would say they just need to start paying guys. <laughs> it's simple. Uh, you you got, like, all the talent in the world has come through there in the last 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so at a certain point, each of those guys grows up and is attracted, like other teams are looking at them. And so they could either... Decide to keep them and pay them more, or they could get rid of them. And unfortunately, they they pretty much always choose choose to just get rid of players and keep their payroll really low. So um, that would be a simple fix for me for the Oakland side because they've got plenty of talent. Um, the Royals, I'm not sure. I, I you know being at only the AAA level uh, with them and then AAA in, my, in big leagues, it's hard for you to really get to know intimately an organization. I'm not really sure what's going on with the Royals' um, situation there. So I know they're shaking things up a little bit because Dayton Moore is no longer there, and they've hired some new leadership over there. So we'll see what they do in the next few years and how they're rebuilding.
0: Now, um, baseball, I think, has always been troublesome with marketing their players because you only see high market player, uh, high market teams promote the high-market players, what do you think baseball needs to do to grow their game further for fans that don't get to see uh, players? Like, for instance, on the Rays, I know they don't stay that long because they get rid of them, but still, regardless, they're good players. What do you think baseball needs to do to market good players, unlike the ones that are in the major markets of LA, San Diego, New York, Philly, you know, them big areas. What does baseball need to do, do you think?
1: Yeah, that's another good question. Um, I guess one idea would be just to uh, broadcast different teams periodically so fans can get to know them, like you said. Uh, I think another thing would be just to highlight where the player comes from, their backstories a little more, like during the games. I think that people relate to people when they can connect. Mm -hmm. So if you know their story, where they came from, like for instance, if I'm playing in Oakland, I'm in the opposite corner of the country. If the broadcasters get to know my story and talk about it quite a bit on the air while while they're broadcasting the games, that gives a little kid who's watching it a chance to say, oh, like I'm a short guy. I, I like to run fast. Like I could be like him. And, um, I don't know. So I think that they could probably try a little bit more to not just highlight like the Yankees and the Dodgers and, you know, the big name teams, they could probably spread it out a little more in the broadcasting and also just relook at the way they market and talk about their players.
0: Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, two quick questions and then I'll let you go so you can get to bed. Uh, I know it's early. The season hasn't started. Um, um, I'm sure you haven't kept up with all the moves. Neither have I, because there's been so many. (laughs) Uh, Early predictions for World Series, and who do you think will win it?
1: Um, I gotta go... Oh man, that's such a tough one. Um... I guess I'll go with the last team I played with, and that was the Yankees. They're they're bound to get one here soon, oh, yeah. they're bound to. So oh, yeah. they're, they're paying Judge, and <laughs> that's a good move in my opinion. And um, I'm excited for what's to come with Judge at the helm, just leading that ship.
0: Right, I, I agree with you on that. And who do you see coming out of the NL to face them?
1: <sighs> it's hard to bet against the Dodgers. They, they have a squad over
0: there, yeah, so it's hard have, to bet against can't them. Can't disagree with that either. Yeah, they're willing yeah. to pay it for anybody. <laughs> right. I couldn't agree with you on that. I could. I could not disagree with you on that one. So, but my Padres are close though with that. Though. Oh yeah, don't same. don't
1: sleep on the Padres. Now I forgot about them. Um, that is that is definitely a team to watch. As um, they are they are. For sure, a powerhouse that I would be very fearful of if I was playing them.
0: Yeah, I was. I was shocked when they got Xander Bogarts. That's yeah. That's the land of shortstops over there. With how many they've got.
1: I know it's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. I I, 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 I'm looking forward to it. Like. Like I've I've been through I've been through thick and thin as a fan with them I've been through their good days when they went to the World Series that's how I first became a Padre fan with uh, Tony Gwynn as their main <clears throat> guy he was the one who got me uh, being a Padre fan and then I've been through the years way after he retired and they were horrible and then they came back for a couple years and now just this like. I, I can't believe it. Now they're trying to actually finally go in to compete and spend money unlike what they were doing about 10 years ago. I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, but before I let you go, the one last question I asked everybody. We got into this a little bit. I asked you if you wanted to coach. You said, nah, I'll stick to what I am, which is understandable. But if you were coaching, um, either minor league, pro, whatever, uh, little league with the youngsters, whatever level, what would you tell them and how would you help them to get to where you got to, to the big leagues, to fighting through the minors, ultimately to being cut? What would you tell them to help them with their success?
1: Mm. I would say don't doubt yourself and... Have a goal. So, my goal was always I just wanted to make the next team I was trying out for. So, for instance, when I was eight years old, I wanted to make the number one travel team in my rec league. Nothing crazy, but yeah. uh, I was thankful enough to get there. And then when I got to, let's say, middle school, my goal was to get good enough to make the freshman baseball team at my high school. And then when I got to, when I made the freshman team in high school, my, I was like, man, well, you know, I want to compete really hard to get the, the varsity team and make the varsity team. And then when I had success there, I was like, Oh man, I really would love a college scholarship so that I can, you know, help, help my, um, financial situation. My mom paying everything. She, I was sing, you know, raised by a single mom. So she was paying everything. Right. So help my financial situation. So I got, a scholarship offer in my junior year that was paying for school so I was very thankful. And then, you know, so my goal was always let's get to the next level. And then even after that, I didn't even know I was gonna get drafted, like I told you, but I definitely saw like, okay, I can compete with these guys. And these guys are getting drafted, so like, why can't I? Mm-hmm. So then my goal became okay, I could get drafted and I got to that and then when you're in the minors, the 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 goal is always to get to the next level. So again, like what I would say to them is have a goal and keep that in mind with everything you do. So if you're going and eating ice cream every night, it's probably not going to be good for your body, but not saying never do it, but I'm just saying, you know, just keep it in mind with everything you do. If you have a choice to go work out or go run or go play around with friends, play some catch football or play video games, I think, you know, playing touch football or just going out and running around in a field one day would be more beneficial. So things like that, uh, just keep it in mind and everything you do, just have that in the back of your mind.
0: I couldn't have said any better. And real quick, I don't know, do you play any video
1: games? So, yeah, I grew up playing video games. I have four kids now, so I don't anymore, Mm -hmm. but definitely have a gamer inside of me for sure.
0: Okay, so say if you you had to show, would you play that? Like most players do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I never played MLB The Show actually. Oh,
0: you, oh man, you gotta compete with your other players, man.
1: I know that would be fun though, um, but I I never had it, so I just stuck to like, the generic like Mario Kart, Mario Party, some shooter games, that kind of stuff. Oh
0: yeah, that's old school Mario. Gotta love it. Yeah, that's old
1: school. That's yeah. You know,
0: that's what we grew up on.
1: Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah of course that's what we grew up on i mean can't go can't go wrong there i mean can't go wrong for sure yeah Also, i mean can't also go wrong with the um what 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 oh pokemon too pokemon was a
1: a good one too growing up so yeah i had that on the game boy so i played that on the game boy a little bit exactly
0: but i do thank you for your time um i appreciate it uh i know i'm like 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 me you just said you had four kids so kudos to you i mean i mean i got two they're a hassle and they're god bless them i love them but they're a hassle <laughs> yeah. um but it was fun i will send you the episode feel free to share it um also hey hey i gotta throw in a joke here it, since okay. you know since you know susa Bring him this way. I want. I, I've been trying to reach a hold of Souza, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll but, let him know. I'll get one, on him. He
0: was one of my favorite rays, so. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: he's a personality. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. Yes, I. Agree. Well, if you get him on, you gotta you gotta ask him about the most memorable leadoff first pitch <laughs> homer that's ever been hit oh, way over me. his head.
0: Believe me. I will ask him, and I'll <laughs> I'll see what he says to that. I'm sure he. I'm sure he'll remember that too. You can't forget it. You can't forget it. Yeah, he will. (laughs) But I do thank you for your time. It was awesome. Uh, Good luck in the real estate world. I hope all goes well for you. I'll definitely stay in touch with you. Uh, I'll text you here and there throughout the season. Um, But yeah, I do appreciate it. Thank you again. And you have a good night.
1: All right, Byron. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And I enjoyed talking to you. Without a doubt, it
0: was fun. And I'll send you the episode when I'm done.
1: Okay, perfect.
0: Perfect. Have a good night. <laughs> All right, you too. All right, bye. <laughs> Billy Burns, everybody. That concludes this episode of Coffee Time uh, with Billy Burns, former MLB player. Um, but, yeah, a good conversation. I'm glad to have co- had that. From a fellow um take on this on a stolen base guy like i I honestly I'd have to say he was my first one to uh, have that was this guy who stole bases mainly and throughout his career so it was a pleasure to have him and um yeah it was fun until then um this concludes episode I think one oh nine with Billy burns um until then have a good night i don't know who i'm gonna have on next but we'll see until then don't do anything stupid take care